Welcome back. This is another edition of Nerdy by Nature. I'm one of your hosts, Tyler, a.k.a. Agent Smith. And I'm Charlie, a.k.a. Captain Rogers. And if you followed our previous episode, we went over all things Marvel and DC from Comic-Con 2019, including Phase 4. And so for this episode, we're going to do a more in-depth look at Phase 4. We already know the slate of movies coming out for Marvel. Very excited about them, but we're going to pick a few and just go over what we can expect in the movies, the villains, the cast plot, and all of the things that we can expect. So, starting out with Black Widow, Charlie, so we know now it's confirmed that Taskmaster is going to be the main villain. What are your thoughts on that? That's right. I don't know a whole lot about Taskmaster. He definitely sounds like an interesting villain. I think it's cool that they did announce it, because now we can do our research and find out a little more about the villain. From what I've gathered, it seems that he's really good at copying people. I've heard that he, he copied Captain America in that he has his own Shield. Yeah, well, and you know, especially for, for me, uh, I think with, with Taskmaster, one of the most interesting concepts is that he can look at a fight scene or, you know, watch film on a particular hero or whomever, essentially, and copy them move for move. He can think ahead, almost like a human chessboard, if you will, to see what's coming next. And that's impressive, especially when you put him up against guys like Cap. If he were to go up against uh, somebody like, said, Black Panther, you know, even the suit with the vibranium, it's not enough. Taskmaster can find ways around that, so it's very impressive. He's also got a crazy extensive arsenal of weapons. This guy has a bow and arrow, a sword. It's just incredible the, the things that this guy can carry on him at one time. Throwing darts, various firearms, and he's a master of all those weapons, so it's not just him being a great tactician and having good combat skills, but, I mean, really, he's almost kind of like a villainous punisher, in a way, with all of his weapons. Right, and, like, when you first hear the name Taskmaster, he always sounded like a throwaway villain to me, going by the name specifically. Like, I didn't know anything about him, but reading up on it, he definitely sounds a lot more intriguing and a lot more interesting, and obviously, Marvel's really good at reinventing their villains, making them more current day relevant, so I think it'll be a really interesting villain, and I'm excited to see it. I am too, and you know, that's a great point. They're really about modernizing their villains, because we're talking about a guy in the comic books, his face essentially is a skull, which they had a lot of success with, with the Red Skull in Captain America the First Avenger, you know, that, that look, it could have been hard to pull off, but they pulled it off, so I don't have any doubt whether it's a mask or exactly what they're going to go with as far as the look of Taskmaster. I think they can pull that off, but, but a great point. And to me, I think it could pose a, a big problem for Scarlett Johansson's character Black Widow, because if you think about it, she's somebody that that's her bread and butter. Hand-to-hand combat, right. moves, trying to be sneaky, doing the, the head scissor, and you know, if that's, if that's something that Taskmaster is already prepared for, who knows how much film he's watched on her if he's been watching this whole time. I mean, I'm not really sure what she's going to do to change that or alter it, so that could be a struggle for her. Definitely, yeah. I know that in the comic he's been portrayed a couple of different ways. Some he has a mask, and in some stories it's an actual skull, so I'm interested to see what they do with it. Since they were successful with the Red Skull, they could potentially make him a skull. I have a feeling, seeing a lot of pictures of him, it seems like the more prevalent interpretation of him is the mask. And I would think so too and I believe we were looking up imagery from Black Widow so far that's been released now that he's a confirmed villain for the film and it seems like they're definitely going to go with a mask almost kind of like the way they went with Crossbones. Right and from what I've heard in the footage that they showed like a brief glimpse of him. They may show more of him than that I'm not sure but in the brief glimpse of him that was how everybody came to the conclusion that it was Taskmaster because that was the only villain that he even looked like so 
I'm interested to see that footage, and hopefully they end up releasing it soon. Oh yeah, the, the teaser trailer I think for that's going to be be really neat just to to see how he looks. And you were right, you know, you said he had a, a cap esque shield, and on the shield, of course, he's got his trademark T for Taskmaster. So it's mm. going to be neat to see. And you know, I think it's important to note just to give you an idea of how powerful this guy is and how good he is at mimicking fighting styles. The only person in the Marvel arsenal that's been able to throw him off of his game or beat him, so to speak, is Deadpool, and that's just because he's so unpredictable. Right. Uh, you know, he's got that manic depressive personality, schizophrenic, you don't really ever know quite what's going on up in his head. I don't even think that Deadpool knows. Right. What's going on upstairs? You know, this is the same guy that breaks the fourth wall and talks to himself all the time. So I, I think that drives Taskmaster crazy. And to the best of my knowledge, he's been the only one that could really have his number. So I, I think Scarlett Johansson's character, Black Widow, could be in over her head. Right. And so going back to the shield, in your research, have you noticed, does he always have the shield? That I, Or is it just when he's mimicking Cap? Because if it all the time, I would be interested to know why he chose that. He admired Cap. Captain America, or... That's hard to say. I'd have to do a little bit more research, to be honest, but what I noticed in the first kind of still image that they had between Black Widow and Taskmaster, he definitely had a shield in hand right, to right. block one of her attacks. So I, it'll be neat to see in the movie if he builds it himself, if he steals it from S.H.I.E.L.D. and, you know, takes a Captain America shield and makes it his own. Right. Uh, so who's to say? Yeah, every time I've ever seen him, he's had that shield, so I would be, really would be interested to know what the story about that is. For sure, and I think we're, we're both equally excited about this character, and I think a lot of people will be, because it's one that, of course, A, we haven't seen yet, and B, again, could be a big problem for Black Widow. So how they portray him in the film, how he ties into the plot, it's going to be interesting to see, and I, I think ultimately the two will make for a great film. And speaking of great films, we've got another one on tap here that I think could be a sleeper for Phase 4, and that's going to be Shang-Chi. Yeah, I would really, I'm interested in Shang-Chi just because that's another character I don't know a whole lot about. That's kind of the going thing with Phase 4, it seems. They're moving into their more obscure characters, or at least obscure to me. Right, I think it's obscure for a lot of people, just to be honest. That excites me, because new is fun. I think they'll be able to, to bring in a whole lot with this film as far as martial arts. We haven't, I mean, we've seen combat in Marvel, of course. You know, there's always action in an action film with superheroes. But I think the style of action that we're going to get in Shang-Chi is going to be another level. And again, like you said, Said something new and exciting. And speaking of exciting, I was reading up, you had mentioned in the last episode that we're going to get the real Mandarin, the real live Mandarin, not Ben Kingsley, not not a fake. We are sir, Ben Kingsley. Sir, I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> Ben Kingsley. But, you know, we're, we're getting the real deal here, Mandarin. And this is a guy that is, he's one of Iron Man's top villains for a reason. This guy is legit. He's called, of course, Shang-Chi, the Legend of the Ten Rings. Did some research on those ten rings, and just looking at the rings, one hand to the other, mm -hmm. I, I feel like these rings could be right on par, maybe even above... The Infinity Gauntlet? I mean, that might yeah. be a little bit of a stretch to say, but cause the Infinity Gauntlet is, I mean, it's omnipotent to some extent. Right. However, the things that these rings are capable of doing, I think, is, is right on par with the Infinity Gauntlet, and here's why. So, just to list a couple of them, whether it's the, the left hand or the right, he's got one that can do an ice blast, so he can emit waves of cold, stun opponents. Uh, then you've got another one that's called Nightbringer. He can essentially 
create absolute blackness or absorb all light within the ring and also maybe even harness some dark force matter so that's wild right off the bat uh, the one that interests me the most is actually on the right hand on the thumb called matter rearranger or a remaker and this can rearrange atoms molecules of any substance speed up or slow down their movement so to me it just seems like each one of these rings as you mentioned it could give him superpowers in a way even though he's not superhuman he's a super villain for right. sure right yeah and i think that it's crazy what they can do and i think that it has the potential to make him a very formidable foe not only for shang chi but potentially being the next big bad if they decide to do that I mean, just from the, the look of the way that these ten rings could play out, if he has them all at one time, which I'm not sure if we'll see that in this film, since we're just being introduced to the real Mandarin, mm -hmm. um, when he does, if he gets all ten rings, I mean, look out. Yeah, you're, you're right. That could be trouble for not only Shang-Chi, but of course the the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe mm -hmm. as we know it right now. Let me, the question that I've got for you, Charlie, is speaking of these rings, how do you think they'll go about introducing them? Do you think we'll get them all at once, or? Well, I kind of hope that it would come in all at once or at least be that the Mandarin is either in possession of them or he finds them or he knows a lot about them to know where to find them. I don't really want them to go the same route that they did with the Infinity Stones because I mean if they go through and have different rings in different movies I feel like that would be way too similar to the Infinity Saga and it would turn people off. I'd have to agree with that because you know it was great to see that during the Infinity Saga. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it was, was necessary. You know, each Infinity Stone incredibly important, had its own backstory. So, of course, you know, you can spread that out right. over multiple movies. With these rings, I mean, don't get me wrong, we just talked them up a lot. <laughs> so, right. you know, they're important, and they're one of Marvel's biggest weapons, especially for a supervillain like the Mandarin. But I'd have to agree with you. I think seeing that again, it would almost, from a fan standpoint, be kind of more of the same. It's like, okay, we've already seen this. Why don't we do something different? Or I think we, we could accept that at some point, depending upon how long... Right. Shang-Chi ends up being. I feel like it's reasonable for him to find at least some of these rings. Right. I think that Marvel's well aware of that and is way too smart to make that mistake. So I don't think we have anything to worry about there. I would have to agree. I mean, they, they certainly know what they're doing at this point, you know, with the success of Phase 1 through 3. I don't think we have any fears. Right. For, for Phase 4. And speaking of fear, that's a, a good segue into another movie that we want to talk about. It's a part of Phase 4, and that is, of course, Doctor Strange, The Multiverse of Madness. And we don't know a whole lot about the movie just yet, other than it's going to be tied directly to WandaVision. But I've been doing some research, and I noticed that one of the villains that could be on tap as a main villain is Nightmare. And so that's somebody that, you know, of course, the Nightmare realm. That's why I you know, brought up fear being a, a good segue. I mean, he's somebody that, especially speaking of omnipotence, could be right up there with Thanos per se, as far as a Thanos-esque villain for this movie. What uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that is definitely the main theory going right now is that he would likely be the villain. I don't know anything about him. Going back to my original statement, that Phase 4 is very exciting for no other reason than it's all characters that I'm not well versed in. Right, and that's I, I agree. That's one of the most exciting parts for both of us, I think, and for a lot of fans out there listening and that will go watch the movies like we do when they come out. We are getting a lot of unknown characters, so to speak. I mean, they're they're out there, and of course, the diehards from day one will know who they are, mm -hmm. so they'll appreciate that. But I think for us, it's a learning opportunity, and it, yeah, super exciting to see how he's going to look, of course, because I think they, they missed the mark a little bit on Dormammu and the first Doctor Strange. Uh, to me, it was well done, but I still feel like given 
how he looks in the comics, they maybe could have done that a little bit better. It was well done, but I, I think that was still early in the Marvel Universe. Early enough that they were still trying to figure things out. But being as though he is one of many cosmic beings of his level... I think that they're going to go a different route, especially if they bring in Galactus. I think that they'll end up redesigning a lot of that for the betterment of the movies. And I have to agree with that. You know, obviously Marvel knows what they're doing through the first three phases, so there's no reason to think that won't continue in Phase 4. And, you know, going back to this particular Doctor Strange sequel, I think it's got a lot of potential to be one of the darker Marvel films that we get, and to the best of our knowledge, it's going to be, they've already said on record, it could be their first Marvel's version of a horror film. Right. So, it's going to be really interesting to see, and I think this one's going to be the blockbuster of Phase 4, arguably. And speaking of dark, it's a nice time to go ahead and segue into the middle portion of the show, and go into the dark world of DC. <laughs> so, I feel like they've got an opportunity here after Phase 4. Some people have said that the rumblings are that, you know, Phase 4 is a little bit soft or underwhelming. So I, I feel like DC has an opportunity after that to maybe take back the reins a little bit or at least bounce back cinematically. Definitely. I wouldn't say underwhelming or weaker or, or anything like that. I think it's just that Phase 4 is going to be the fastest phase that they've had so far. It's apparently only going to last two years. Wow. Incorporate all of these movies and TV shows and I think that's the big thing that differentiates it from the previous phase is that in this phase we have TV series along with the movies. So I wouldn't say that it was underwhelming. I wasn't underwhelmed by it. I'm excited. And like I said, I'm excited for all the new stuff that is not necessarily the most well-known characters of the Marvel Universe. But I definitely agree with you that DC is in a place where they could really shine. As long as they stick to their plan of not worrying about copying Marvel and not worry about connecting every little thing, I think that they would do a service to themselves to stick to the standalone movies and TV shows. And from the looks of it, we've got a lot coming between movies and TV series. Yeah, a whole lot. And you know, that's a, a great point I think you mentioned of sticking to the standalone films because realistically, I don't think it's a stretch to say that Wonder Woman, obviously huge success, long time coming for a strong female lead character as a superhero or superheroine, if you will. And then also, you know, Aquaman, good success. Shazam, that we went and saw together, even though I don't think people were expecting a whole lot out of the Shazam film. Yeah, I don't think it did the numbers they were wanting, but I don't think it was enough to stop them from moving forward. Right, and then of course, Man of Steel, I think that was a solid representation of Superman. Definitely. And so yeah, I think if they, they stick with that standalone building up to a another team-up movie, whether that's Justice League 2, what have you. I feel like there's a huge opportunity for them to take advantage here. So so where, for you in your mind, Charlie, does that start? Where would that first, if you had a building block to put in place to get this DC bounce back started, what would your first building block be? Well, I think that they've always had a stronger hand in their TV series, so I would continue putting out strong content there, as well as, like I said, don't worry about connecting 
everything. I want to believe that they're going to stay on track with that and keep things separate. I just hope that who they've got in charge isn't going to have a weak moment and, and think they have the best story in the world and decide to go back to trying to connect everything and, and rushing into something that they're not ready for. And I think as long as they use Justice League 1 as kind of a reference point yeah. <laughs> of what not to do, right? I feel like you, you can only go up from there because let's be real, that's that's probably the bottom <laughs> at this point. Oh, for the... definitely. And it saddens me to say, I mean, when the Justice League first came out, I went and saw it excited like everybody else. Of course. I wanted to love it. I even told myself that I did love it the first time I saw it. But every time I see it now on TV or anything like that, it just, it breaks my heart. <laughs> It, it does mean, for a number of reasons, and, and again, we've said this before, we could have a, uh, we probably eventually will have an entire right. episode just on the Justice League, where it went wrong, where it went right. There were some bright moments. There were definitely bright moments. I still love Ben Affleck as Batman. I think he was one of the best that we've had. I didn't like him as much in Justice League because he wasn't the same Batman. It was almost like a completely different person. You could say a night and day difference. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But yeah, I, I just hope that they steer clear of that for a while and stick to making good movies and continue to get better as they have been because I definitely think Wonder Woman was great. Aquaman I felt even better about, although I am more of a fan of Aquaman than I am Wonder Woman, but depending on who you talk to, I felt like it was a stronger movie than Wonder Woman to an extent. And then Shazam was just a lot of fun. I mean, not, not really that big on that character. He's more of a like Deadpool type character to me. And I like Deadpool and I love the movies, but you can only take so much. True, right. You don't <laughs> want to corner yourself into that, that slapstick you know, all the time. It's, right. it's a nice comedic relief, like, like Deadpool is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But yeah, you, you don't want to you know necessarily build a, a franchise around that one aspect. And of course, you know, we'll take a little bit of a turn here. And we talked a lot about the DCEU, but one thing I'd like to bring up, and this isn't necessarily news to anybody listening that's a DC fanboy or fangirl per se, but it might be news for some of you. <laughs> so, back in 2018, DC launched what's known as the DC Black Label. And so with that, of course, Charlie, I'm sure you're very familiar. It's a number of reprints or new material that comes out for fans that's a little more edgy, which is odd to say for DC because usually they sent the benchmark <laughs> for, for edginess. Uh, so they're trying to out-edge themselves in a way. But what's most interesting about this, I think theoretically, so the Joker that's coming out in October mm-hmm. is going to be presumably the first what's known as per screen ran DC Dark or DC Black's first film. And I feel like the DC Black Label goes the film route. They're not necessarily going to be canon for the DCEU or even follow comic book canon. So they have a lot of room to play with. It could be kind of a what-if scenario if you think about it from a Marvel standpoint. Uh, maybe like an Elseworlds type right. tale that they're right. telling. So what, other than the Joker that we know is on tap, what kind of things would you like to see that Black Label come out with if they continue to do those types of films? Oh, well, there's several that I would be interested in seeing. I mean, I would. I actually really liked the Constantine movie with Keanu Reeves in it. I know that he said that he would love to go back to that character at some point, and I wouldn't mind seeing the Constantine movie. Then there are several others like Lobo, but I feel like they're taking those characters, and from what I've read, they're making those into TV shows. If so. I'm not mistaken, Lobo is going to get his first premiere on Krypton, right on the Sci-Fi Channel? That's correct. That show, from what I've heard, it surprised a lot of people. It was a very weird premise, being about the grandfather of Superman. It takes place on Krypton, with, but somehow he has like all the same villains as Superman, so I don't know exactly 
how that worked, but I've heard that it's turned out to be a really good show. Yeah, Lobo's going to make his debut on there, and then they're hoping with popularity to do a spinoff Lobo show. Which, that, that could be very interesting for sure in and of itself, because that's a DC character you want to talk about earlier with Marvel having some unknowns. I, to my knowledge, I don't believe we've really seen Lobo cinematically. No, not that I've ever heard of or seen. He's another character like Shazam and like Deadpool. He's a biker vampire, so... What's not to love about that? Right, a space biker vampire. So that'll be interesting. And like I said, I think those would have been good movies to do, like as an world situation, but it sounds like they're going with their strength with just TV, which... I can't really blame them for. No, not at all. And speaking of TV, of course, Swamp Thing series on the DC Universe just wrapped up with its season finale. Of course, we all know... The series finale. Right, the series finale, we should say. Pardon me. <laughs> yeah. One and done there for Swamp Thing. I feel like that would be a huge opportunity to do that type of film. Maybe even try to draw from the Alan Moore Swamp Thing series. Uh, you know, it's a, a darker take, so to speak, on Swamp Thing. So I, I think that could be an opportunity for the Black Label. Maybe they say that more for the DCEU after Phase 4, but either way, I feel like Swamp Thing's definitely got a place, and I feel like, depending upon the reception that Swamp Thing Season 1 had, they, they might build upon that, or see where they've got things right, see where they got things wrong, and maybe bring that into the fold. Yeah, there's a couple of different options they could go with Swamp Thing. From what I hear and what I've read, the reason for the cancellation, well, partially, I feel like it's them not knowing what's going on with DC Universe right now, but on the other hand, I've read that the sets were built and just way too expensive to maintain for a TV show. So depending on what happens with HBO Max and if HBO Max kind of takes over DC Universe or DC Universe becomes part of HBO Max, perhaps with the backing of HBO they could bring that show back on HBO Max. Or they could do a movie. It's yet to be seen what will happen with that. Right. And, and you know we had talked about this before the show about the whole swamp sets that they were building and creating and it's kind of funny in a way because you know we're just two guys talking into a microphone about shows that we love in movies, but you would think, given the parameters of the show, it's Swamp Thing. Louisiana has swamps. Florida has swamps. I mean, I feel like they could have probably found a way around that. Yeah. But again, to your point with being on HBO Max here soon in the future, potentially, you know, that could be a partnership on a money standpoint where we've seen shows like Game of Thrones, Westworld, what have you, where they have, they can build entire worlds and parking lots and do it very well and convincingly so. Yeah. So uh, there's definitely a opportunity there if they want to revisit Swamp Thing or relaunch it. So, like you said, it remains to be seen as to whether or not they'll actually do anything more right. with and, Swamp Thing. I mean, the show looked very promising and everything I saw of it looked really good. So I was kind of bummed when I heard that it was not going to last past the first season. So I'm holding out hope that they'll do something, whether it be a movie down the road or bringing the show back, one of the two, but we'll see. And one other thing from DC, I did read today that Ava DuVernay, the director of the New Gods film that okay. is coming, that she's writing with Tom King the guy that's been writing Batman for the last few years, she confirmed that Darkseid is going to be a part of the movie, oh, going to huge. be in the movie, which is huge. However, it could open up sores of Justice League, so we'll see. But I choose to stay optimistic and be excited for it. That's all we can do at this point from a DC standpoint. I think we just <laughs> we have to have that level of optimism because, again, I feel like the only way they can go at this point is up. Their trajectory is pointing in the upward direction, we, we hope, right. 
And I think it also depends on how they do Darkseid. You know, he is, of course, the Thanos of DC. Right. And probably even, if we had to really battle it out, more powerful. But we'll see. And so speaking of we'll see, there's a lot of we'll see what happens going on with Phase 5 for Marvel. So we're going to switch gears now here towards the end of the show as we round things out. There weren't a lot of announcements about Phase 5 coming out of Hall H from Comic-Con 2019. And I think the reason for that, you had mentioned this earlier before the show, Charlie, is that the D23 Expo for 2019 is just around the corner, and that kicks off on August the 23rd. I feel like that's going to be a great time and opportunity for Marvel to announce more about Phase 5. Now, of course, we already know some movies are going to be in the fold, like Guardians Volume 3, Black Panther 2, Captain Marvel sequel is on the docket. I don't want to spend as much time talking about those movies because we know they're already set in stone. I'd rather take some time to talk about what we expect to hear from D23, if anything, and then also what we're most excited to see next. And I think a good place to start, logically, would be the Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah. Fantastic Four has always been some of my favorite Marvel characters. So I'm very excited about that. And I think being back in the hands of Kevin Feige and Marvel, I think that they will be able to do the Fantastic Four justice. Uh, as long as they get John Krasinski and Emily Blunt play Mr. Fantastic and Sue Storm. I, I couldn't mean, agree more. It's only logical choice. We need to make this happen, Disney. Okay. Jay Krasinski, Emily Blunt, sign them yesterday. Let's go. Yes. The Fantastic Four, it's one of those that's a fan favorite, and I think that if they do, like you said, if they do it right, they do it justice. The first two honestly weren't bad as I think people remember. They were enjoyable. They had their moments. I think they casted it well, for the most part, the first time around. Um, how, how funny would it be if they even considered Chris Evans for uh, for Johnny Blaze? Right. I, I mean, mean he's, he's out of the MCU. Exactly. So, <laughs> I mean, he's retired, so you know, bring him back. I thought he did the part really well, actually. I mean, he, he, he played it really well. I mean, who knows? They might even consider bringing Michael B. Jordan back, so that, that's a possibility. Who knows where they may go for Johnny Blaze and the thing. The thing of course, Michael B. Jordan is in the MCU now, too, as Killmonger. So. Right. So they, they've really not done themselves a, a service as far as Johnny Blaze goes. So right. They'll really, right. Sounds like they'll have to recast Probably, that yeah. position. And then for Ben Grimm, the thing, I mean, that really could just be a CGI head-to-toe. It's more of a, a voice, Definitely. really. But, I mean, I would be okay with Michael Chiklis coming back for him. I liked him a the lot. The voice I mean, he did the voice fine, and that's really all you need for that character, but nobody's asking us, so... Correct, you know, we're, we're, <laughs> what, what, what do we know? Exactly. <laughs> So what uh, what are some other things that you would like to see in Phase 5? I know for, for me personally, I know you're a bigger Fantastic Four guy than you are X-Men, but for me, I, I love the X-Men, always have, uh, you know, big mutant fan. So what, what can we expect with the X-Men? Because that poses potentially a lot of problems. Let's, let, let's just be real. There's the, the whole construed timeline. Where did they start? Uh, if, if we're going post-Blip, as we found out that it's affectionately referred to as in Spider-Man Far right. From Home, uh, that's like, what, 2023? Right. So... Yeah, I mean, they've got a lot of obstacles to tackle with them, and I think that's why I think they're taking their time with the X-Men. I think they're going to be further down the road than the Fantastic Four. Uh, Obviously, they have the obstacle of how are they going to do Magneto's backstory. It's been a really long time since those events, so they've got to modernize it somehow, and so that's just one of the obstacles. The other obstacle is where have the X-Men been all this time, and are they just now existing or have they always existed or I think they would have an easier time setting the X-Men up as a byproduct of the effect of the snap and the Infinity Saga more than they would being able to convince people that they've always been around and we just didn't know anything about them. 
almost taking a, a new mutants approach and just picking up where that saga leaves off. I, I think to me that that makes more sense than trying to figure out some kind of crazy equation <laughs> that gets them up to speed. I mean, you can right. go back to the early 2000s and pretend like those first three X-Men films never happened, which I think for a lot of people they would be happy to forget <laughs> The Last Stand. It's uh, Like you said, there's a lot of problematic obstacles that they're going to have to hurdle, but so far we have seen Marvel figure out ways to interweave. I think if you would have told us a couple of years back that Marvel was going to interweave 10 films, you know, 20 films I should say, over a 10 year period and make it all work, right? very few people would have believed you. Right, and actually coming up with it off the top of my head, one solution that they could possibly go with, which I never thought of, is they do have time travel in the MCU now, so that could potentially be a, a solving factor to the Magneto issue, and I know a lot of people don't want them to heavily focus on the time travel because a lot of people see it as an easy out or an easy way to fix issues and I understand that to an extent but at the same time if it enables you to bring in such iconic characters and possibly you know the events of Endgame and them time traveling and going to different timelines that could potentially be an easy way for them to introduce the X-Men. And that's not a bad idea at all and another thing that I just thought of off the top of my lid is of course going back to the Doctor Strange sequel. You know, you talked about a multiverse. Definitely. That's a multitude of opportunity. So who's to say that we might end up in a multiverse or a new universe where it's a known fact that the X-Men are a thing, mutants are a thing. So that could be another sort of easy way to introduce them and then have an end credit scene, you know, introducing maybe a new villain like Magneto uh, or whomever. So it, right. it'll be very interesting to see how they bring them about. Perhaps the timeline that Captain America created going back to live with Peggy. They could exist in that timeline and we just didn't know it because we weren't in that timeline. Right, and you know, with Sans Captain America, someone's got to step up and I feel like the Avengers, you know, obviously would want their capabilities and, and people of their talents. Absolutely. And with that, that's going to wrap up our Phase 5 discussion and the show. Thank you, Tyler. We appreciate y'all listening. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, and share and join us next week on Nerdy by Nature. Y'all have a great weekend and God bless. Thank you.